You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today, as you could see from the title, that it's a little bit different than our normal interviews. Today, we're interviewing me. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and we are joined by our... One of our favorite people, a very important part of our crew. Super important. She is the one that writes everything you guys read on the website, on the Instagram, everywhere that stuff is posted. Our version of a podcast version of a copy editor, affectionately referred to as Spellcheck, is with us today. Hello. Kate. Hello. I'm Hi. here. Hi, Spellcheck. Hi. Hi, ladies. I'm super excited. <laughs> I'm also nervous. Oh, no, we're very excited to have you. Um, my, We call her spell check because <laughs> my husband refers to her, referred to her as that because I have, like we said, several different Kate friends. Yes, there's right? a lot of us. So we have Arizona Kate. We have spell check Kate. We have squeakers Kate. We have squeakers Kate. There's another Kate, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there's too many. So this is how in my household we differentiate between the three of them. So spell check is helping. Yes. Today. I'm going to be the co-host today. I am the Sam. Yes. Today. She's the moderator to make sure that <laughs> everything happens in a timely manner. <laughs> yep. I'm going to be keeping an, my eye on the clock and all that. And be like, guys, you know, wrap it up. I'm and not really, though. <laughs> <laughs> we've kind of touched on, like, the origin of the show. Yeah. Like, we've gotten your, like, the background, like, right. how you started, how your grandma just picked you up and started you early. And we've heard, our listeners have heard a lot, too, about our relationship with the show. Yes. And when I asked you, but it goes even further than that with Spellcheck. She was the very first person I told, like gave her the baby idea of it. Was like, here's something I'm thinking about doing. Am I crazy? I, I saw it come out of the womb. Yes. Yeah, I birthed it directly in front of you. You yes. were my idea midwife. I was your midwife. And I encouraged that from the very beginning. And we were headed to in a state sale we were weren't we we had just started working together yeah and um that was the first estate sale we went to together that's the first time we really hung out yeah and it was a huge estate sale yeah and it was a ridiculously overpriced the whole thing yeah and it was like it was the one i think i told you about it, it was like three or four garages full of stuff oh yeah you did you yeah. told me not to and, go and yes. the backyard <laughs> because they had it's a estate sale company in town we won't name it but they have a tendency of purchasing things for their own benefit. Like, they they have ideas. Yes. And heirs. So that was the first time Kate and I really hung out together. And then um, I kind of let this idea fly. And then I was like, I don't know how to make this work. And we spent the next, that was two years ago. No, it wasn't. Was a year it? And a, it would be, it will be two years this coming summer. Yeah, because it's been almost a year yeah. since we, you and I. Yeah. Whoa. I think we just passed a year. What are we? I don't even. Oh, what month are we in? The now? only reason I know that is because I got like some notification of something I made in the Mothball Prophecies name. Oh, so yeah, because yeah, I think it was in September, huh? Yeah. We started or, working together in what March mm -hmm. of twenty eighteen. Yeah. No. Really? Yeah, it was yeah, because I just come back from maternity leave. It was before my twenty ninth birthday. Mm -hmm. 
So there's the. And now we're here. And now we're full here. Full circle. Sitting in my living room drinking LaCroix. Yes. Because Kate, it's I'm going to say it. Kate is two years sober. Two years plus. Yes. So I can give you the exact days. And Hold we on. are huge supporters of sobriety 100%. here. 100%. Mm. Okay. So my total days, 844 days sober. <laughs> yeah. I'm very happy with that number. Yes. Yeah, so am I. Me too. So we drink LaCroix. We do. We have three. We're drinking hibiscus and yeah. limoncello. Because we fancy. We are fancy. Yes. My taste buds have changed. <laughs> <laughs> the older you get the more they just fall out of your mouth yeah so yeah we've you know and i feel like we've touched a lot on like different parts of my story yeah like we've started when you were a child mm-hmm. we learned about your wonderful days as the spud yes mascot yes. I, which i never tire of hearing oh <laughs> and it was well and, and one of our uh friends and dealer she sent me Yes, that was perfect. <laughs> I ordered this little styling book from her, from Darling Diddy's Riley, and she included like this bud that she included the Idaho potato <laughs> plushie. Yes, in it's it. perfect. It's going into the curio cabinet. It is. So I went to a rival high school um, here in town uh, to Shelley, and I remember every not technically a rival high school, right. but I remember. Um, Every year for Spud Harvest, we would all complain that you guys got that time off and that we didn't. Every year. Those and kids in Shelly, they don't have to go to school right now. For two weeks. Two weeks for Spud Harvest. We were very pompous about it. The jealousy was real. Yeah. It was, you know, when I would hear, because you grow up in like your own little bubble, right? And mm-hmm. when I would hear that like other people didn't get out for Spud Harvest, I was like, What? Doesn't everywhere harvest potatoes? I know. When I moved up, when my kids started, I'm like, what the fuck is bud harvest? We don't do this <laughs> shit. And now, thanks to my knowledge, I have introduced I our listeners to the magic of the spud. The spud. <laughs> yes. So thanks for that. I claim somebody better put that. Do not put that in my obituary, please. I'm totally going to. Please yeah, don't. it's going to happen. But yeah, so we talked about when you were a teen mm-hmm. and in your early 20s. But talk to us about how your style like morphed into what you are now. It's hard because like, you know, whenever you start with anything in your life, like you're heavily influenced by the maternal or paternal figures in your life. And for me, that was most definitely my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So like when I when I got out of high school and was starting to like thrift and do things on my own, it still kind of leaned that way. And then, you know, as we got older the internet also got better and you were connected to different people that maybe had a style that you had never seen like the town I'm from is like 4,000 people right yeah so it was I mean you end up following the same trends Mm -hmm. because you don't know what else is out there right so when I started to see people collecting like darker kind of macabre antiques or because I always had something to prove growing up Mm -hmm. because I was it was just like a kind of a rough childhood and so I was always on the other side of I don't know I don't know it was just trying to put up a wall to protect yourself right it was a very trauma driven persona Mm -hmm. and being like okay if I have crazy hair and crazy clothes and stuff like this and a sense of humor people will like not be mean to me (laughs) and that followed through definitely with like the antiques I was collecting I was trying to find like I remember one of my very first antiques I bought like after I was 18 was like a long like cigarette filter like (gasps) from the 40s oh yeah whoa because I used to smoke 
Oh, and did so, you use it? Yeah. And so I had, I would just have it in my purse. And then I always had like cigarette cases, like fancy embossed. I know Kate's <laughs> stimming her face yeah. off right now. <laughs> so I think I've always had like, I don't know how to put it without sounding like pompous. Please just, just say, say whatever <laughs> comes to your beautiful brain. So I always, I always wanted something different. So I had something else to like stand out from where I was from in a way. So like, and like being a smoker is obviously a little ostracizing, but if I had cool smoking stuff, it was like a conversation starter. Ooh. And then I always had like, I remember one of my earliest, oh, this is like opening up a jar of memories. I remember one of the, my grandmother's always had like purses and accessories and different things like that. And mm-hmm. I always got like hand-me-downs and I'll never forget this purse she bought me. It was like an oversized coin purse shape with the clasp. <gasps> oh, For yeah. cigarettes? No, it was like a carpet bag. So it was Whoa. brown corduroys uh-huh. and different patterns. I remember those, yeah. And it had the handle so you couldn't put it over your shoulder, but it was big. I mean, it was like 18 inches across on the bottom. Wow. And I was carrying that around at like 19 years old. I love that. Or I had like an Andy Warhol tote bag of course from Hot you Topic. Did. And oh, yeah. Back when Hot Topic was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Before it was just overpriced Disney stuff. Yeah. So I always had stuff like that that I, and it was, I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of money. Like I started doing hair at the age of 19. Mm -hmm. And so, and I started booth renting at 19. Oh my gosh. Really? Yeah. That's hard. So straight out of high school, beauty school, and then straight to renting a chair. It is a miracle you made it. Yes. Just for people who don't know, that does not happen. No. It, and it was like, with the first year I did my taxes, because that's one of the things they didn't teach you in beauty school. Mm-hmm. Was like Which taxes. they need to. Right. I remember looking at, I had made, I think in the first year, maybe like $400. But I had spent almost 5000 Yep. Mm-hmm. That's and how it works. Like, oh my God. <laughs> And I was working a second job at a retirement home. I love old people. And so, yeah, it was, that's kind of where it started to shift for me. And then, I don't know, I just, I've always been, because we grew up without a ton of money and like I grew up pretty, you know, I didn't really have my own income until the last like eight or nine years, kind of, five Mm -hmm. realistically. Yeah. Was I was everything I was finding was at yard sales or estate sales or the thrift store. I very rarely shopped in antique stores. So when you'd go, were you looking for specifics? Like, did you have a specific thing or item that you were always looking for when you went to at those, that age? At that age, I I would say at that age and still to this day, because to me it's like a necessary form of shopping. Like if I'm looking for something for my house before I pay for it like wholesale or whole price oh yeah i'm gonna go look everywhere else for it and i think that just is like the trauma mentality of growing up without very much money for sure yep and then i also have this i say it's horrible it's not really horrible this thing where i'm like i can make that oh we've all had those that's why i learned to sew yeah when we (laughs) moved out of my last house i found a lot of crafts of stuff i was just gonna do myself Mm -hmm. It's bad. It's well, in this area too, everybody does just do it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. My husband makes all our furniture. When we want something new, he just makes it. Right. And you sew beautifully. Oh, thank you. You know, you make like wonderful garments and different things like that. 
I'll do and my Jill best. has a fan, you have a fantastic eye for like interior design. Oh, thank you. So it's just, it's like those things that you just, I guess it's like adaptive personality traits in a way. I think it definitely is when you grow up having to hear, no, we can't get that. We can't afford that. Right. And it was, I mean, my mom, you know, I don't talk about her often on the show, but like I'm her only daughter and I was the baby for 15 years mm-hmm. and then my little brother came along. But I mean, we were, my mom was a single mom. She got her degree at 41 years old, six months after she had my little brother. Oh my. So wow. she graduated with a six month old and then three other kids. So growing up, like, and I didn't realize it, you know, I, and I mentioned it briefly in a lot of episodes. I didn't realize how poor we were right. growing up until yeah. I realized like we always went to my grandparents' house for milk. Mm-hmm. We always went over for Sunday dinners. Like we always did these different things that I wasn't aware of but we always shopped like we got new school clothes we went with my grandma right and I just thought it was like my grandma taking us until you're like your own parent and you're out and doing those things and that's when I think my grandma when she was teaching me to antique she was giving like a sense of like freedom and joy that way Mm -hmm. of like pick something special but it was actually like in in actuality it's a survival yeah thing So it was, I remember I was like 17 and my mom was married at the time and she had a teaching job. So she had her first like paycheck and we like loaded into the car and we went to Kohl's and there was like no limit. And it was like pretty woman. My mom and I were walking out of Kohl's (laughs) with like bags of Kohl's clothing. And my mom just kept saying that felt so good. That felt so good to just shop. And I was like, I remember thinking in that moment, like this was the first memory I had of ever doing that. Right. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then, like, you know, looking back on it now as a mom and a homeowner and all those things, I was like, I don't know how she did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know how my parents did it Mm-mm. at all. But that was I don't know how it was for you, too. But like for me, like I think the thrift stores were an escape for my mom because you could get so much with so little. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I remember from infant like I my mom took me to antique stores and thrift stores from infancy. Mm-hmm. there has not been a year in my life where I haven't been in one with mm-hmm. my mom. Yeah. That's the same with my mom and my grand. my mom, oddly enough, did not go antiquing with us. That's like not her bag. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. None of my family really antiques. Like my mom kinda, but it's always specific stuff. Yeah. Me, I'm all over the globe. Yeah. I just grab shiny items. Right. Like magpies. <laughs> We're two magpies in the state sales <laughs> it, for sure. It, three it of us. <laughs> But it, yeah, it was like for my mom, it was like stuff that my grandma would get us because my grandma's got a little bit of a shopping problem, just a bit. And so uh, it was like if she didn't like something or it didn't really meet her expectations of what she thought it was going to be, it came to our house. So a lot of the stuff I have, like before I started to really like curate my own stuff and move it around a little bit was from directly from my grandmother, like here. I honestly, um, same for me, 100%. I honestly didn't realize that that wasn't normal until well into adulthood. Right. I thought that's just how people were. <laughs> no. And then, I mean, uh, people come over and be like, I got this, 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 and this. And I'm like, where the fuck did you get all that? Grandma. <laughs> my grandma. I feel like gave grandma it to gave me. it to me. Literally everything in my house is secondhand. Yeah. And it's just like, how do people afford to buy, buy new, new things? And I remember going out to the store and you're like, holy shit, this is how much? People are paying how much for a I'm mirror? not buying this. Right. It's ridiculous. Well, and you, I mean, with your military stuff, like your dad's military stuff and moving around, 
Yeah. You didn't, you probably didn't have that. I'm assuming we were very minimalist. Yeah. I just remember we didn't have a lot of stuff in the house just because we moved. Right. Yeah. Air like Force Brett here too. Oh yeah. Same deal. Yeah. Yeah. So funny. I think that's why I buy a lot of shit now because we know. I'm huge on decorating my rooms in my home because we were not allowed to because mm-hmm. we were just going to move. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I paint like I can't. <laughs> my husband's going to kill me, but I plan to paint all the bedrooms mm-hmm. after we move into the new house mm-hmm. different colors because I can't. You have to. I yeah. have this thing with thumbtacks because my dad was like, don't hang anything on the walls because we're going to move. So I purposely put holes in the walls. <laughs> I love that <laughs> just because so I can. You're like fucking watch me, bro. Okay, so you you've got a good collection of hair tools though, and all that kind of. Is that because you were the hair a hairdresser, and so you're just like I have to have that? You know what's funny is, I would say probably ninety nine point nine percent of the hair tools I have I never bought for myself. They were all gifted to me because you were a hairdresser. So they're like. Oh, Sam's a hairdresser look at these there she goes right and so the sweetest thing is like so some of them are my husband's um like great grandmother's and grandmother's tools like from his mother Mm -hmm. and then uh, most of them are Dustin used to call Park Avenue Antiques he'd call Jeannie and say hey the holidays are coming up will you give me a ring whenever whenever any like cool hair stuff comes up Uh uh-huh and so every year for Christmas for several years, Dustin would like curate this like thing of great vintage and antique hair tools for me. Is it just hair tools or is it more broadly beauty items? Yes. Beauty items with the exception of makeup, just because I think Dustin was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> but he was like, I have like um, a pair of like post-World War II Japanese clippers. <gasps> I have a pair of clippers from, I would say, the 60s that have, like, a Bakelite comb and guards. And they're, like, the pearl lesson. I'll show you guys before you leave. And then I have, um, like, two pairs of hand-driven clippers. Mm -hmm. I have Dustin got me a collection of, like, perm rods and hair clips and Bakelite combs and clips. and Careful with that Bakelite. I know. Yeah. And then I have, like, you can see, so you see that middle, like the yellow and blue box. Mm-hmm. That's the Japanese clippers. We're looking in my curio cabinet for the listeners at home. And then next to that, there's a pink box, and that has a whole bunch of combs and clips and stuff like that in it. And my grandma also, like, she bought me, like, hair combs, like the ones you would hold your hair up yeah. with. I got yeah. a lot of that stuff. But I, and then my mother-in-law, um, my husband's stepmom, gets me, like, the vanity sets. so like the mirrors in my bathroom Mm -hmm. were all a gift yeah really yeah and we'll post those pictures on the instagram because they're so cute like they're so pretty that i and it's one of those things where it's like you can only and thank you for that it's you know you can't you could but you can't have like that stuff just set on every tabletop in your house how they were meant to be used yeah right not anymore anyway so i was like when i redid my bathroom i was like i we took there was like a the cabinet above the toilet that was up there and i hated it Mm -hmm. and because it's just a fucking catch-all and so when i painted my bathroom black and did all that stuff i took it down and i looked at that spot forever and i was like i know i want to put gilded frames up there and then i was going through uh boxes and stuff and i was like oh shit i have all these mirrors so that's why that collage is it came together really good it looks like 
something put together for a magazine, honestly. Oh. It is. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's beautiful. And that's like that stuff for me when I put something up like that. It's literally like I wake up in the morning and I have the idea and I have to execute it. Before I know. I, go to bed. I, I always get like a little sand grain and yeah. I'm like, I don't know what it is yet, but it's coming. And I would say that that probably contributes to how I shop. Like at thrift stores or antique stores or garage sales, I have a vision of how things are in my house and mm-hmm. like the end goal. Right. And so when I'm at... A sh- uh, I was going to say a shampoo bowl. That's a work thing. When I'm at <laughs> a store, I'm looking for stuff that would fit the different spaces. And then maybe that's an excuse so I don't leave empty handed. Do you think that that has come directly from owning your own home? Yes. Like, for you, sure. did you do anything like that before you were a homeowner? This is so the way my house looks is the way my bedrooms have always looked. Oh. So there's always been a gallery wall. There has always been like all my favorite things and tchotchkes and everything out and about to look at. And I don't I don't know where that comes from. It's just how I've always done it. So it's now it's like just one big bedroom. So even when you were younger, you would shop that way then? Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say I necessarily shop that way. Um, When I when I was shopping as like an adolescent, it was definitely to try and find stuff to fit in. Right. And to be like, because we were, we didn't have the money to buy name brand stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was like, if I can find it and make it work. Yeah. I'll be cool. I'll fit in. I'll, you know, and it was, and yeah, it was a lot of that. And, you know, the area that I grew up in, my family was not a part of the predominant religion. Yeah. My mom was single. My mom smoked. All marks against you. All marks against me. So I was like, okay, I have to find some niche that like gets people off my back and then gets me in as not a threat. Well, and you have a very particular niche. Yes, your you do. Hair. <laughs> the hair. Which after listening to Hayden, mm-hmm. it, I'm like, okay, I get it. But you have these two beautiful strands of hair that are wrapped up in the newspaper that we're assuming was the day they got cut. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. We have this romanticized version of it. Yeah, they're crying. In the How kitchen. did you come across those? So I used to, because I always have like this running tally of things. I When I go to an antique store, because I know it's going to be varied, booth to booth, vendor to vendor. Mm-hmm. So to like cut out the middleman, I usually ask the person working at the checkout. I go, I, I, I'm looking for like one of them in particular is bosun heads. Uh-huh. And then another is hair stuff. The older and rarer, the better and weirder. And then I always ask about um, hair, art, jewelry, anything to do with the Victorian era. And generally they look at me like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then I get like a raised eyebrow. Well, around here, that's a lot harder to find. I mean, anywhere on the other side of the Mississippi. The eastern seaboard, I'd run into it all everywhere. Everywhere. But here, and especially as rural as we are. Mm Mm-hmm. And so far west. It's the same shit in every antique store. Yes. And I say shit in like an affectionate way. Yes. <laughs> Not like garbage. But it's the same theme. Uh-huh. It's old farm stuff, license mm-hmm. plates, Pyrex, Corningware, yep. embroidery, cruel very work. Very like, farm very oriented. Much. And so it was a way for me to find things that, one, I was hoping the dealer didn't know what they had. Right. And two, I knew nobody else had them because they were hard to find. Mm-hmm. And it just sticks with my theme, hair stuff. Okay, so I would, it started, my my like 
home base antique store was Park Avenue Antiques, which is no longer an antique store. Mm -hmm. And I would always go in and say hi to Jeannie and ask, blah, blah, blah. Do you have any of these things? Nope, nope, nope. Well, when Jeannie and her husband were retiring and selling the antique store, I'd run into her and she said, hey, she called me. I think she asked my grandma for my number. I think she called me. And she was like, hey, Sam. And she had like the sweetest, like, I don't know, old time 50s housewife voice. Hmm. I don't know. And she had dachshunds that were in the store with her, Missy and Molly. Uh huh. Oh, my God. And so anyways, and she was at my wedding. Like she was a very important part of my wow. life. Yeah. Super. I went into that antique store from the age of, I would say, six or seven years old until they retired. I think for Jill and I, that whole concept is strange. It is. We've never been anywhere that long. Yeah. No, this is actually the longest place I've been. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad you're both here. I know. Every once in a while, I'm like, we got to move. We got to move. Right. We've been here too long. I just rearrange my furniture when I feel like that. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> so it was, it was, it started out that way for me. And like, um, anyway, so she called me and she was like, hey, we have, because they would go to that big antique show in Ohio or Iowa. Oh, yeah. And she goes, we bought this trunk lot back east. And when we were going through it and item like putting, getting inventory and whatever she was, we came across these two bundles of hair. Oh, I know where I saw her. I saw her at the Colonial after the Nutcracker oh. or something like that. And she goes, I got, I have these two bundles of hair. And her husband's looking at me like, oh, you're <laughs> the one that's been after the hair. <laughs> he probably was getting ready to throw it out. And she's like, no. Right. So they go. And I remember like the excitement started in my toes and came up to the top of my head. Like. <laughs> She so she says to me, she goes, I don't know what to price him out at. I'm thinking ninety bucks for the two bundles. And I would I was willing to pay anything at that. And I, you know, I think this is like four or five years in hairdressing. So I did have Ooh. like a little bit more of an income that yeah. I could buy fucking hair with, like a <laughs> crazy person. Which is not ironic in any way. No. And um so I went and picked up the two bundles of hair and brought them home. And every person has this is one of two reactions. <laughs> They're either like, what? And their face twists like, ah. And then you have other people that go, oh, my God. I want it. And to me, like, hair obviously doesn't bother me. No. And then now I'm like, I've cut off so much beautiful hair, like braids and bundles. Uh But it feels, this is the thing that, like, crosses the line for me. It feels strange to take that hair home because it's like. There's no sentimental attachment. And it feels like molesting the tradition. Yeah. Because it's without consent. Right. Oh, definitely. And that's just that's, not okay. That's, that's gross. That's yucky. You can have my hair anytime you oh, want it. Dope. It would make beautiful stuff with I it. I think as... <laughs> yeah, your hair is... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think as hairdressers, we forget how gross hair is to other people. Oh, for sure. Because it's just not... I don't even bat an eye. At well, it. and you get good like when you do hair, like not throwing it on yourself. Yeah. So you don't have like, you, you're not as like itchy as you think you would be. Mm-hmm. Unless I have your entire family, Jill, then I'm like, put them at the end of the day because they have coarse hair and it just flies everywhere. Billing attacked right Well, okay. no, your hair. <laughs> it jumps off it of the really clippers like shrapnel. It is the opposite of what Sam and I have. I have a frog fur, Peter yep. Pan hair is how I refer to it. Because it's just flat and fine. And you have Rapunzel hair. Yes. Thank you, ancestors. Yeah, no Dude, doubt. Dude, right? I was not shocked at all when I found out you were Hawaiian because I'd seen your hair. It's yeah. Like, yep. 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 100%. So that's that's how I always kind of found 
those things. And then it was like, it's like a pipe dream. Like you can't find it here. So that's when, as the internet got better and as I could look at things. And um, I remember watching the show Oddities on the Science Channel. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching and seeing that there was a place somewhere in the world filled with all the stuff that other people don't really care for but there's a group of us that really really love it and I remember this odd feeling of like acceptance like oh my god these are my people right you know they they get the weird sentimental part of it and watching the show be entirely about oddities was like oh one coming from such a small town in the U.S. you're not gonna find that kind of thing is not normal in small town America no, and if you did find it, like, generally there was, like, five people, and one of them was so fucking weird. It, like, illegally weird. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was just, like, the, I feel like it was, like, that was, that show, and seeing that was, like, my collecting coming of age. I was going to say, was that your awakening to the other? Because you, you're more of the macabre side of collecting. You still, like, you do collect the Pyrex and all that kind of stuff, but your heart we all know is in you have a black little goth heart yes deep inside yes i do and i have forever yep and i feel like i it's my life's mission to be like see it's not that bad <laughs> <laughs> see it's okay to like convert everyone right and so and i think part of it goes back to like proving people that Proving to people, and not so much anymore, but like growing up, like proving to people that just because somebody is different doesn't mean they're bad. Yeah. And maybe that's why I feel like this, like my island of misfit antiques is like, I'll yes. I'll be your shepherd. Come to <laughs> it's me. It's growing. Yeah. Because I, I think that's definitely like a part, was a part of it for, for me for a long time. And well, now and I think just... that's the one good thing about the social media and all the internet is like people are finding like, I'm not the only one. Yeah. There are other freaks. Yeah. Yes. And I 100% agree. Yeah. Because, man, sometimes you just feel so alone when you're like, am I the only one who asks about the hair? Yeah. Yeah. Am I the only one who wants this? Uh-huh. Am I the only one that's asking about weird apothecary stuff yeah. or funeral ephemera or, you know, that kind of... You get so many raised eyebrows and so many squints and then yeah. you just stop asking because you're tired of feeling ashamed and now it's like on the other side of it where Mm -hmm. i have surrounded myself with people that uh understand who i am and appreciate it that now when like somebody else comes in and they're on that that initial spec i'm like ah ah!" (laughs) like my whole body is like no (laughs) and it's nothing against that person but i'm like i can't go backwards no and you shouldn't no like you never should well i mean for god's sake today i'm wearing lularoe leggings that have skulls and black and orange stripes and then a sweatshirt that says you could have had a bad witch. That's the outfit I went with today. Which is fantastic. Yeah. And that's me. I mean, and it's you. Like, I don't expect anything different. Like, this is what I expect. And it's like... And it's little cute. me is very happy that big me found my people. Right? Yeah. You know, I think all of our little me's are happy we find our people. I actively try to make my 14-year-old self proud. Or embarrassed. Still. I still try to embarrass her. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. My 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 little me is still confused about life, period. My little me was though. so sad. 
<laughs> mood apathetic. Oh man. So when you would go to stores and you'd pick something up, or you were, is there something that you like? Eh, I'm not gonna get it, and then you're like, shit, I should have gotten it. The one that got away. Tell oh. us. There's several. There's lots of things that I've like either walked away from because I couldn't afford it at the time or I didn't have like I couldn't justify bringing something like that home Ooh. and I would say like it's always like I love postcards and I wish I would have bought more of them when I saw ones I liked uh. and been more impulsive that way like real photo postcards or interesting postcards holiday Halloween Christmas things like that those are something that I'm like oh, damn it and then I would say I don't know. There's several. Like there was be like silhouettes. I used to find really great silhouettes at Park Avenue Antiques. And I was always like, I don't have a house to hang those in. Right. That and then probably big items like um, the Hoosier that I talked yeah. about in one episode. Oh, yes. Or big wall hangings or vintage taxidermy. Like those things are mm. like still on my list of like one day I'll have them. But it has to be like right price right time i know on this wall behind you i just see like vintage taxidermy how cool would that be right yeah because that's this i think i might wallpaper this wall behind me it's like the one blank wall in my house it really is <laughs> it needs something and it's in my living room so my living room is like one wall is windows to the outside obviously <laughs> really to the outside <laughs> to the kitchen which is windows to the kitchen not to the outside and then the other wall is a gallery wall and then the wall that the fireplace is on is my kitchen stairwell wall. And it has uh, one screw. Do you see it? <gasps> I uh, see yeah. it. I always wonder what they hung right there. I know. what. Just fucking take oh, it out lazy. and patch the hole. Ooh, it's I probably like something that they like heavy. And so they like really like, like something. I know. Well, because I have like plaster and lath walls still. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I totally imagine vintage taxidermy on that wall. With crooked eyes. There is. Speaking of taxidermy. There is a girl on TikTok. You guessed it. TikTok. TikTok. Shocking. TikTok? She has an Instagram too. But she's and, on TikTok. Yes. <laughs> she does these videos. So she finds taxidermy that's damaged, either beyond repair or it's like, you know, deer mounts. Right. Whatever. And she takes them home and she fixes what she can. And there's some that she's like died. So there was this oh. deer mount that she did that she died fuchsia. Which part of the deer? So it's like a, is it a European mount? I don't know. We'll do it in the fact check. It's sure. Like where it's like the bust. So it's like from where their shoulders would be to their head and antlers. Well, but she she dyed the hair of it? Yes. The fur? Yes. It's a pink deer. Yes. I need this. And she painted the antlers, wait for it, like a champagne rose gold. <gasps> Fuck, right? What? Mm. So that that's the taxidermy I'm into. When I say I'm into taxidermy, I'm not saying like Cabela's. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm not saying Farm and Ranch Home Living Magazine. You want mice like making cookies in a miniature kitchen? Yes, like brandy, pocket yeah. full of heirlooms. Or Ooh, yeah. there's another great taxidermy artist that her name's Julia Deville, and she's in Australia, and she does these beautiful art macabre pieces of taxidermy. And then this chick that's dearly departed, like it's that shit that it really gets me going. Like when I bought Templeton, of course I fucking bought Templeton at Comic Con. So taxidermy bought Templeton. Yeah, when I was there. Is a taxidermied Pekin duckling that is a byproduct of the food industry. 
Uh huh. Yep. Connected. We were talking about this before we started recording. Peak and duckling. Circle of life. <laughs> so he was that, and I was like, of course I have to have it from that same booth. That is from um, a company in Salt Lake called Nature. N a t u r with the accents above the u, the double the dots. I don't know what it's called. I have feelings about people using umlauts when they should not. <gasps> umlauts. That's it. That is I not knew what spell that check is. would know this. Yes, that's why she's <laughs> on the team is spell checks. Umlaut. Umlaut. So he had this booth set up and it had bugs, which of course I want bugs in frames. Mm, that's like no pass. Oh, but what if it's like a pretty moth or a pretty butterfly? Well, okay, maybe, but that's yeah. that's it. So so they had this booth and they had Templeton, they had some other stuff, and then he had jewelry and he had a ring that was a skull and it was carved out of like water buffalo bone or something oh, like that. Wow. That sounds beautiful. And I wore it until the ring part broke off and then I just have it that I need to turn it into a pendant or something. Good. Yeah. Yeah. My and I my one bug that I want is at my grandma's house and it was a gift my grandfather got one year. And it's a rhinoceros beetle. Oh, and there's yeah, a picture whoa. of my grandpa opening it where he's like, <laughs> ha, like thinks it's real. I'll have to find it. I got my mom a taxidermied moth a few years ago for Mother's Day. And I specifically, so my, my mom is part of the LDS church, but this particular moth is called the common Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> so she liked it a lot. So We I, love a deep religious <laughs> cut. Yeah, like that. <laughs> so yeah, that's, I know that's the taxidermy I would collect. Yeah. So what what's one of the most meaningful items that you have in your collection? There's a couple. And it's not necessarily something that like is from this person or is of this person. Like there's things I have in my collection, like obviously my teaspoons, my first ones I started right. collecting. But I have like some things that were like what I have a porcelain bird that sat that was my grandfather's. I have some Yadro porcelain. My grandmother collects Yadro. It's a type of porcelain in Spain. It's really fine. We'll go, we'll do that in the the curio corner because it's very interesting. It's hand painted porcelain. Oh. And it's if you look in my curio cabinet, you can see this one in front of the glass, the geisha. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's Yadro porcelain. Mm-hmm. And oh. then up on the top shelf is it's a Dutch girl with two ducks. They have very simplistic names that like depict what's happening with the figurine. Right. Those just remind me of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are definitely like when I think of like the antiques, I would save at a fire. Oh, yeah. And then like the guitar, my vintage guitar that was my grandfather's. Yeah. Didn't you just have that fixed? And that was so sweet. So um, and they are listeners to the show. So hi, Melissa and hey guys. Hello. They're such great friends now. I truly, truly treasure both of They're them. Like adorable. Yeah. So I spend probably once a week I go over and we have some beers and we sit and chat. And I know Sam's always like, Yeah, I was over at Melissa's. <laughs> just <laughs> hanging out with my friends. So I was over there one night and Eric just looks at me and he goes, Will you please bring your guitar over so I can work on it? <laughs> like Yeah. When it, he asks something that directly, I feel like there's you, no option. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, okay. So I was like, oh, I was like, I would was very appreciative and I said are you know are you sure and he and then he just looked at me and I was like great okay I'll bring it over next time <laughs> so I brought it over and he um reset it and of course as soon as I handed it to him he started playing and I was like almost in tears because that guitar hasn't been played like that in 40 years and and then it was even like a bigger connection you know he had he so he reset the neck for me and mm-hmm. reset the action because the strings were sitting way too high on the fretboard 
and they were it was hard to play i had to like gorilla grip it to just get a chord out and it's effortless now but he had he posted it on his instagram and um a luthier from germany commented and knew the style of guitar it was (gasps) so it's called the texan it's okay to cry so it's called the texan and it is from bavaria it's from west germany i gotta call my grandma and ask when exactly my grandpa got it um it would have been from west germany when that was a country yeah so and my mom remembers my grandfather buying it before she was 10 my mom will be i think 60 in january so she remembers when they, you know, she doesn't remember much else about it. But it was when my grandfather gave me that guitar, I was like 14. And I was like just trying to find something to do. Mm-hmm. So I had like taught myself how to play the piano roughly at a, like it's very mediocre. And um, yeah, I, I wanted a guitar, but obviously we couldn't afford a guitar. Right. And my grandpa, and this was like his prized possession. Mm-hmm. You know, he played it with his brothers. He, just, he was like, you can have my guitar as long as you promise to take care of it and treat it right. So to have Eric work on that guitar, yeah, I just felt like it made my grandpa so proud. Well, and the amount of love that Eric puts into his work. Oh, man. Yeah. You wouldn't want anyone else touching it. Never. And so he, yeah, he got it. And so I've been practicing and playing every oh, night. And that's awesome. So it's been, it's, it's like one of those, like, it's like a, a connection to my grandfather. He was very important mm-hmm. to me. Sure. And he was the one that I, you know, I learned my love of knowledge and diving deeper and searching things and figuring them out. I've always, always, always been curious. And my grandpa always encouraged that. And so it just feels like a really special way to honor him. Oh yeah, to Most have it. Definitely. Now I'm gonna cry. <laughs> it always happens here yeah. at the month. <laughs> you know, they say that you have like uh, the people in your life outside of your parents that form you as a person. Your chosen family, right? It's either you know, it's like your parents will either form you or somebody else that is a mentor figure. And my grandfather was most definitely that person. Me, my grandmother and I didn't get close until like junior high after high school you know yes we was antique and we did this we did that she always i think had a very different image of who i was going to be yeah and my grandfather liked that i was a little rough around the edges mm-hmm. was stubborn mm-hmm. outspoken my grandpa and i used to always just scream at each other but at the end of it it was he always would do this like wink at you uh-huh and yeah I love that. well there's a to, to bring him back down to earth because he was he was a nice man, but he was also not like a grandpa. Those are my favorite kind. He was rough. And I remember, you know, growing up, I was dramatic. Surprise. Really? Yeah, I know. I would have never thought. guessed. So I used to tell my brothers when they weren't including me in things, I would say I was, I'm going to run away. And I would write these dramatic ass <laughs> notes. I need to see one of these. Do you still have any I'm of certain them? I ruined every single one of them. I'm sure <sighs> you did because you're like, this. Mm-hmm. so I was my grandpa was coming over to watch because my oldest brother's nine years older than me. He was coming over and I put this note out and it just said, I running away now. <laughs> oh, how old were you? Oh God. I want to say five or six. Oh my well, goodness. Old enough to know how to scribble something. Yeah. Out. My grandpa looks at me and he goes, if you step outside that door and run away, I will drag you back by your hair. Whoa. <laughs> and me thinking fucking try me old man. Of course. 
took off and we lived on a corner lot. So we had that really long side yard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I took off running and I hear on the pavement behind me, my grandpa's cowboy boots. <gasps> that sound. Gaining <laughs> on me. And I'm fucking sprinting. <laughs> the next thing I remember is, and he grabbed like a full handful. So it didn't <gasps> hurt. He did? He was a man well, of his word. he was going to. <laughs> so he caught me by my hair. Hmm. Took me back in the house, looked at me down the over his glasses, and said, I told you <laughs> what was going to happen. And I was I it was like he was my match. Like nobody else could really Yeah. You know, yeah. So maybe that's yeah. where you got it. That is most definitely where I got it. That is so I, he must have seen that in you. Yes. Yeah. He definitely saw from a very young age. I have always been too independent i walked to preschool when i was four years old that sounds about right put my snow pants on put everything on that i needed and walked almost a mile in february to preschool february's in idaho are very very cold <laughs> my dad and was very supposed snowy. to be watching me and my mom was taking a bath <laughs> yeah so that's how it's always been for me is uh my grandpa was always the one to like check me back i guess to go on that long little but my grandpa was always a storyteller Mm -hmm. that's where i get my uh love for stories my grandpa i mean he was a published author you know and Mm -hmm. um he would just spin a yarn and he would be so wrapped up into it only to find maybe five minutes to the end that it was all bullshit (laughs) that is a that is a skill so that's where you know my love for i would ask him about his childhood or whatever and that's where the story thing started for me it was from a very young age. So, okay. So you have an obvious, interesting collection, but is there items you won't collect? Like, is there something you're like, holy shit, I would never, ever buy that. So the, a few things come to mind just because it really grinds my gears. Any type of memorabilia or artifacts of hate or racism or dark parts of history. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's not surprising knowing you, but so so people who collect World War II memorabilia, so is that... I would say leaning to the aspect of, of Nazi memorabilia. Yeah. Things that were a direct symbol. Right. Now, do I think that they are parts of history? Yes. But they belong in a place that teaches history. Mm-hmm. Right. And not a part of a collection in... This is and this is my personal opinion, but there's so much bad tied to those types of items mm-hmm. that you don't need to keep it in your collection to teach about it. Right. You know, it's those are the things that will never make it into my collection. Yeah, there's a time and place. There is a time and place. You know, and uh, yeah, donate them, send them to a museum, mm-hmm. collect them to give to a museum, but don't keep them in your personal collection. Is my personal belief. Um, another thing would be probably any type of like human fetal bones, tissue, specimens, anything like that. Specifically fetal? Specifically fetal. Oh, okay. I don't really see a problem in collecting some human remains. I mean, we keep cremains on our mantles, but like, and I specifically am speaking about uh, items that were used in medical practice right. or scientific 
you know, mm-hmm. university skeletons, yeah. things like that. A lot of that was taken without the consent of the families or the people themselves. Yeah. Is that kind of where yeah. that's coming so it, from? Yeah, so it's really, I I know that there's an edge and that there's edgier things. Oh, yeah. But whenever it gets to that hairy line of uh, trauma, lack of consent, you know, the, the yuck factor is definitely mm-hmm. to be in like the shock value right. of it. Right. For me personally, it's not it's not things I am after to collect. I like the things that generally lead to the more softer side of the macabre, mm-hmm. which there is a very big distinction. Yeah, and if you're not part of that world, maybe that doesn't seem. Yeah, and like there's there you know be. there's people on both sides that would have a huge issue with what I said in regards to the uh, hate and racist and different those types of memorabilia and antiques and items they would have a really i'm a part of some facebook groups that there are it is a definite division in collectors yeah well especially with american history it's so easy to accidentally cross the line yeah and i feel you know it's it's your job in general as a human being to be well educated and to never assume that you are correct in your opinion or stance or you know, gather enough information to be as unbiased as possible. Do yeah, you know, yeah. Those are the things that I would say I would never feel comfortable uh, revering as a collectible in my home. Because then I have to tell my son about it. Yeah, right. You know, I can just tell my son about you know the hair in my collection and what it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's very difficult to explain what a nazi is to a child yeah and under the circumstance of you're telling him that the you're telling them the true atrocities yeah it and then but look at this it's in mommy's curio cabinet yeah yeah we keep it in the special place right which is where the gray area starts to and it's just it's just not you know we're very open and honest about those things in my house in an educational way and in a way of uh respecting and um understanding and educating but in the proper way of doing so Mm -hmm. which is generally how i try to be most of the time you know so those are probably those things and then there's like just the not so heavy stuff where it's like i don't really care for like carnival glass i get the appeal it's really pretty but it reminds me of my grandmother in a bad way like it's just like my grandmother has a lot of antiques right and a lot of glassware. And so mm-hmm. to me, it was something I, it's not, it doesn't feel like. You've been uh, exposed to it for so long that that's it's it. like, right. yeah, I don't need that. It's like a, I it's grew up with a that. regular cup to me. That's how I am with like benches because my mom loved benches. I don't know why benches. I'll have to like. Like that you sit on? It's just like little like footstool benches. Oh, my mom likes like footstools little, too. Little, like, what is, I don't know. How many I, could you have? In oh, a she house, had quite a bit. That, it's like my. Was, I my have mom, never heard of that. My mom ever. finds a good footstool somewhere. She won't shut the fuck up about it. My mom. What? Like, she. I'm not. Yeah, she, I don't understand it. She hunted. I mean, hunted because she had a larger one and a middle one, and she was looking for a tiny one. And I'm like, Mom, where would you find a tiny footstool? Oh, right, because they stack them. Yeah. One, two, three. Then they put some fucking stuffed animal on it. <laughs> What? <laughs> that you would buy from the mini bazaars, right? They're out of fabric. Okay. Hey, my mom made those fucking stuffed animals. My mom. So if you're from where we live, there was these like uh, fabric 
bears and bunnies and they have like the long ears. Yeah, and they had the button eyes. My mom made those and Whoa. got her patterns ripped off before like Pinterest was a thing, obviously. But people were ripping her patterns off. But that's what my mom did when she stayed home with me before my parents got divorced. Yeah. So I'm so, very, and I can yeah. smell them. I can smell what we're talking about. I know. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I, even if it's a cute, like, oh, I could totally use this for something. I'm like, no, I grew up with that. I don't need that. So I get the, the whole carnival <sighs> glass because it is really pretty. And I probably would buy it. Yeah. But it has to be a, like anything. It has to be yeah. really cool. Yeah. Shiny. But my grandma, where she leans more into the Anglo-English style of collecting, there's a lot of that. Yeah. In oh, her yeah. house. I can so. imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So you. Done. You're okay. I hit my headphones. We're good. So how did you learn about before internet was popular? What was valuable? And did you kind of get something because you knew it was valuable or anything like that? I would say when I first started, most definitely, I was looking at it from like the value mm -hmm. aspect of like, this is special. This is, this will I'll make a ton of money off of this one day. <laughs> Um, but I went, I learned about it from just following, like being my grandma's shadow and she would turn a dish over and go, oh, this is, this is Wedgwood or this is, uh, English bone China or whatever. And then she would kind of rattle off some facts to me and then I, we'd move along. But it's, it all comes from that like curiosity. Like I remember going to the library as a kid, the small library we had in our town and I would just go to like the nonfiction and pull books of interest. And I remember, oh man, I remember as a kid, there was a hairdresser that was in there and it was before, like there was a lot of hair magazines and she was pulling books from ancient Rome and Greece to specifically look at the hairstyles. Oh. And I remember like this light bulb that just was like, oh fuck, you can find it anywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I think I've always tried to like replicate that scenario of like, so I just will go and, find a whole bunch of books that I'm interested in something on the topic, pull it, skim through it, gather what I feel. The library in anywhere you are, a library is literally uh, a treasure chest mm -hmm. for everything. Yeah. And I would just go and I'd pull like books on the human body or books on this or books on that and just gather it. And then listening. I love to people watch and I love to like eavesdrop. Yeah. I know. I get your text. I've died. <laughs> I've fallen down that Google hole about this. So we have to cut it down. <laughs> Yeah, I get a little, little long-winded on some things that I. But I think growing when we do first, we do look for something like high-value thinking in a resale, and now it's like I don't even care. No, and then I now being in the position that you and I are in, and Kate, you're in because you you are by proxy indoctrinated <laughs> yeah. into everything. Yeah. And uh, I think about all the stuff I've now that I've walked away from uh -huh. without realizing the value because it just looks stupid mm -hmm. like to me because it's not and it's stupid maybe isn't the right word it looks um unvaluable yeah like it's, it wouldn't it's a dime a dozen because like i was going to turn around and sell the items i bought right. like i don't know why i thought that well there was like um you know when we did kate bitter squeaks episode mm -hmm. like the amount of squeak toys i've passed up oh for sure because it's just but i'm like oh yeah or the costume jewelry i've passed up because of the room but now I'm postcards, like, yeah. tons of things like that where I'm like, oh, I totally was at, you know, and it's always like some family run estate sale where if it doesn't have a, a name or a nomaker on it that people can look up to find the value, you know, there'll be piles of it for cheap. Mm -hmm. Well, that brings us 
to now my favorite game ever. <laughs> I really tried to give you some stuff that was like, would break my legs. I know. This is the first time I'm openly participating in this one. <laughs> this is the So if you guys know, we're going to get ready to do the estate sale walkthrough. Yeah. Today, it's the three of us. We have got our coffees. Yes. It's a beautiful, brisk Idaho morn. We have sweaters on. But we're going to get sweaty. We're going to have to take But we've got layers on because by the end of the day, it's going to be 80 degrees again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So today we're at a warehouse shopping through a dealer's collection. Oh, God. It's filled with all corners of the world of the antique land. (laughs) My literal antique wet dream. And she specifically made this hard for me, and I love it Mm -hmm. so much. I really threw out all my best ones. (laughs) So in the furthest corner, because we always start from back to front. Mm -hmm. We do? That's Jill and I when we estate sale. We go to the places of the house that people are going to go to first. Always. I just dive in. (laughs) We go. I usually go to the basement, the kitchen. Or the garage. Yep. Yep. The way you and I just synced up on that. Looked at each other. (laughs) Like we're... (laughs) There, there's there's energy and we flowing. do we do a fast pass and we put anything in our basket that looks like oh fuck i can't if i walk away from this somebody else is gonna get yeah. it fast pass eye contact to make sure like you good you're yeah. good or if we find something we know each other will want yeah oh. it goes in the basket also and yeah. then i'll be like look do you want that and she'll mm-hmm. be like yeah yep. like there you go i have to start at the beginning when you walk in and i have to slowly go through all of the aisles or mm-hmm. you know whatever it is and see everything at the same pace. If I deviate from that, mm. I it's a lot of fast scanning. I'm up and down with my eyes. Yeah. I have a meltdown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. This yeah. Okay. You probably don't want an antique shop with us. <laughs> I no, I, we'll just leave you in the dust. Yeah. We'll be exactly. back up. Yeah, you'll be fine. She'll be in first in mm-hmm. room. Yeah. I'll cook off from somewhere. Cook <laughs> off. Yeah. See, we're good. We got it. So we're in the furthest corner of the warehouse. There are boxes of miniature dollhouses to glass animals and next to them are boxes of vintage perm rods hairpins and combs make your choice i'm so fucking (laughs) mad at myself (laughs) oh are there miniature combs it's whatever best of both if you think it's there it's there if you think it's there (laughs) it's there shit i'm gonna say the miniatures for me right now for me fuck shit <laughs> all the swears now you know how i feel i have like a i'm getting anxiety in my chest cause, cause i know fake. that's how i feel and i literally go home like fuck i should have picked the other one okay i'm gonna go with my gut i'm gonna go with the first thing is the miniatures the little animals and stuff yeah i think i would go with the miniatures yeah, too that's what i'm going with because i imagine there's like little dragons and unicorns teeny, tiny, little, cutie <gasps> little minotaurs little tiny kitten faces yeah little plastic puppy. fishing line whiskers Little, little baby koalas. otters. Yeah, everything. Yeah, tiny all. pineapples. I want yeah. tiny furniture. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's there, too. It's there, too. <laughs> yep. You just won the jackpot. So next we move on to the middle of the warehouse. Kate's still in the front. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <laughs> still <laughs> I'm looking at all of the We're tiny hollering, chairs. like, come. I'm here, holding stuff look. up for her. <laughs> look. There is Victorian morning and sentimental items, like Harry's, brooches, and rings. And on the other... There is original pinup art Ugh. from sketches yes. to prints to framed art. God. Make your choices. I hate myself. <laughs> uh, 
I'm so enjoying this. They're both my favorite. I know. I'm in physical pain. Okay. Um, the Victorian stuff. Because shit, it's hard to find. There's a lot of it. In here. Idaho. Yes. And it's the hair wreath that I want. Right. That's what I'm going with this time. Yeah. That's it. Are you sure? Yeah. No. Okay. Yes. What about you, spell check? I'm going to go for the Victorian stuff because Victorian literature is my favorite. So. Oh, good choice. Yeah. Hmm. What about you, Jelly Bean? I don't know. Because you know how I love a good ring. Mm-hmm. I think I'd go with the pinup art mm-hmm. because I have a specific idea for Ethan's office. Mm. Be cute in there. Now, okay, we have finally made it up to the front, and there is a collection of light fixtures. You can pick two of the three Art Deco sconces. Victorian chandeliers or mid-century lamps. Fuck. Do, do, do. I know it's this was there. Uh, um. Okay, I'm gonna pick Art Deco sconces. Where are they going in your house? Wherever I'm gonna put a hole in the wall to put them. <laughs> she doesn't care. She Ooh. Okay. Scared. All right. I'll play. Art Deco sconces <laughs> are going bedside instead of lamps. <gasps> oh. Mounted into the wall. Yeah. Okay. And then I am going to do, because I would like to make my basement a functional space for adults, I'm going to do the uh, mid-century lamps. Oh. My house is too small for a chandelier. Yeah. There's really nowhere that it would work aesthetically unless I moved my husband and my child out of my house and turned my son's bedroom into a dressing room. That sounds... One day. (laughs) But get ready. You guys are getting kicked out. You guys got to (laughs) go. Move out to the basement, the functional adult basement. There you go. All right. What about you? I'm going to say probably the Victorian chandelier, specifically because my husband is really tall (laughs) and he would have to walk around it, but I would not (laughs) because I'm really short. I love that so much. That's fantastic. Um, And then I love, I I love lamp. I I love a good lamp. Yeah. Get me a good lamp. I'll put like a little. Exhibit A with my (laughs) mid-century fiberglass pole lamp. I know. It's fantastic. It's like a stripper pole. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to use it that way one day. You're going to have trouble. I was going to say it's going to fall, honey. Yeah. No. Well, in the base of it, it's held up by a Let me live my dream of exotic dancing in your living room. Then we'll just get you a pole. (laughs) Really? Not my lamp. It's vintage. It wants me. What about you, Joe? Jill, Jill, Jill. See, this one's hard for me because I love. You mm-hmm. love lamp too? I do. I love them all. Okay. So I'm going to go with the Victorian chandelier because it would look really cute in my bathroom. Mm. Surprised. I know. I'm su- but uh, yeah. And oh, I'm going to. Oh. <laughs> I love them all so much. I know. I'm going to go Art Deco sconces for the bar I'm going to put in my basement. <gasps> Hell yeah. Nice. Chef's kiss. Thanks, Darcy. Speakeasy theme. Yeah. I will live vicariously because obviously I'm not going to your bar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a mocktail. I don't know. Yes. It'll be like mocktail. my kids still live with me. So. Oh, that's right. It's so. going to be very boring. Like wine it's and It's going to be claws. like literally not <laughs> and even a bar. Kentucky Derby. It's going to be like... I wish this no it's not 
So thank you all for listening. Thanks, Sam, for letting us interview you. Thanks for having me. And so we will post pictures of the items you spoke about on our Instagram. Finally. This will include pictures of Sam's bathroom, by the way. Yes. Yes. I'm excited to show it. It works really hard on it. So you can, of course, like every episode, you'll be able to find everything we talk about in today's episode. Um, at the Mothball Prophecies original on Instagram and Facebook and our website, themothballprophecies.com. Stay tuned for the Curio Corner where we talk about some of the antiques I collect. A little deeper. little bit. Thanks for sitting with us today, Spellcheck. Yeah, yeah. this was nerve-wracking and, and fantastic. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. That's what we aim for every time. Every Stick around. Bye. Bye. So how did it feel to be on the other end of the microphone? It's weird because I'm not used to, like, I like attention. Who doesn't like attention? But like having it all on you directly on me. I was like, I can't even listen to this episode after I just sent it off. And I was, I was like, I can't. It's just strange to me because I don't know. I think I just. Well, I have to tell you, know. you make the interviewing process look super simple. Because I was trying to like, okay, how can I now ask this question without sounding like a weirdo? Like, oh, you oh. did great. But. You did so good. <laughs> but it is, it's, and I don't know if I, it's natural to me because I've worked in like speaking with people and having to pull information out of people for 12 years as a hairdresser. Because you either have somebody that sits in your chair that's willing to talk to you. Or you have somebody that sits in your chair that is like a statue and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. We have two hours together. I've gotten yes, no answers from you. I got it. Yeah. I'm just like, let me just find like a tiny bit of common ground and we will run with that the whole time. I know. And it's the opposite for me because I always am listening to what the <laughs> right. patients are saying. And so when I have to talk, I'm like, oh, wait, what? Oh, I'm just like medical this. jargon, medical yeah. jargon, medical <laughs> jargon. <laughs> Doctor B will be right with you. And then you shut the door. <laughs> Call her if you need something. So no, it was a, it was a real treat to sit down with you and spell check. Yeah. I loved having her on the show. She was so good. And she's gonna be back when we do your interview. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was it was really nice to sit down and um kind of like hash out the rest of my story. So now it's in the ether, it's a part of the the time frame. Yeah, so now people get a start from finish kind of thing. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> and we talked about, you know, and it's saving me some uh, curio corner time from my grandma's episode um, that will come out sometime. But she, uh, we, because she is the one that, of course, I started collecting Yadro porcelain with. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was in my house from the moment I was born. My mom had it. I always thought growing up that... The Yadro, because she had like a Madonna figure uh-huh. that sat on top of her curio cabinet. And it was like the fear of God was put into you. Like if you hit the hutch or you knocked that off, she was going to fucking murder you. Did you like she... tiptoe by it? Like oh, as you had I to have pass it? Serious PTSD <laughs> from that thing. And my mom's China hutch, the front foot isn't attached. Oh. So it's just like a wedge. <laughs> so if that fucker came out, it would just like tip forward. And if you guys want to see, there is already a stories um, called Sam's Mom's House, and it has the hutch on it, and you, it's filled. It's filled with stuff. And then this Yadro porcelain sat on the top. 
And that was just something. So I thought it was called the Yadro, but really it's <laughs> called something different. I didn't look up the name. But um, all this information for the Yadro porcelain I got from theprudentcollector.com. And of course, there's stuff on Wikipedia, Yadro's website. Um, even just Googling it, you'll see all of, not all of them, but the thousands of designs they've created over the years. And uh, Yadro was founded in 1953 in the town of Almasera, a small farming community in the city of Valencia, Spain, which explains why my grandparents have it, oh, yeah. because they lived in Spain. That was their first duty station after San Antonio oh, was cool. Spain. Oh, Yeah. And I have, like, sidebar, I have a story of my grandmother moving there, and there was another family that moved there also. Mm-hmm. And the obviously it's hot there, and this woman had, like, a red deck and she went out barefoot under oh. a red deck in the middle of summer. Oh, shit. And I was ever since then, I've been terrified to go outside barefoot <laughs> on anything red. Because I'm like, the bottom of my feet are going to stay on the ground. That's lava, guys. That's hot ass lava. Anyways, back to the story. So it was uh, it was three brothers, Juan, Jose, and Vicente Yadro, showed early skill in the world of the arts. And their mother, wanting to capitalize on that in a good way, not a bad way, Rosa Yadro, she's like, make me some money. She was the first momager. Yes. She was like, guys, go. So she wanted to have the best for her boys, like any mom does. And she sent them to the Valencia School of Arts and Crafts, which sounds like uh, like Hallmack Liberal <laughs> Arts College. Like, are they learning how to quilt and which whatever. They made a pillow. Yeah, they made a pillow. They sent it home. They did some embroidery. I don't know, maybe. Soon after this, the three brothers, they built a kiln and started to hone their craft in the fine porcelain world. But the only problem was is that their home kiln didn't reach the temperature required to achieve that like fine porcelain firing level. But undeterred by the setback, they raised the money to build their very own kiln that would reach these temperatures. This reminded me a lot of... Um, when we talk about Lennox porcelain, all the uh-huh. setbacks they had in the yeah. beginning. Yeah. By the late 1950s, they had outgrown their small studio in their hometown because their production was starting to really take off. And they made the move to a neighboring town. And in 1968, um, an affordable line was created by the Yadros known as Now. It's N-A-O. And I'm assuming it's Now. Nao. I don't know. It was meant to be a more affordable brand of porcelain for their collectors because it was high-end porcelain. So there was, you know, the different types of people that could afford porcelain. Um, And then to this day, Yadro remains a family-owned business and is a preeminent presence in the world of fine porcelain art and collectibles. The company is now run by the Yadro Permanent Council, which is comprised of the Yadro brothers, their children, and the senior staff of Yadro Porcelain. By keeping family ties strong within the business, they have ensured that the Yadro legacy will live on for many years to come. And there was one thing I didn't include in like the whole part of this where there was like, it's called the Yadro Porcelain Society or something like that, where they only, they create pieces only for that society. And that's the only way you can purchase them. They're never put in the retail market. So it creates that higher kind of collectability i thought that was really interesting and they have i'm going to look up some of the names really quick because some of the names like i said they're so simple it's just like what they're doing it's just funny to me uh-huh. um so there's like this one i'm looking at and it's a i'm going to show it to you on the jill and i are remote recording today we're not sitting together we've both and, had uh, a very long week and didn't want to get out of our pajamas did. let me see if you can see this oh there you go oh oh I've, yeah 
So this one's called uh, Mother's Embrace, and that one is $360. Then there's Loving Touch of a Mother, A Nurturing Bond. Oh, this one's like new age. Mother's Love Figurine is a woman sitting in. Oh, yeah. It's pretty. So I've always, to me, it's like, it's not for everybody, you know, porcelain. But to me, it's like a direct tie to my family. Yeah. And another thing that you were surrounded by was the carnival glass. Mm-hmm. Which now? Hold on, explain. I gotta back up because I just saw a different figurine. So that other one was three hundred and fifty dollars. This is right before I exited the website. Then there was like mythological creatures, so I clicked the tab. This is it's called the Great Dragon Sculpture Limited Edition with Golden Luster. I just want you to guess the price. Um, thirty five hundred. Thirty two thousand nine hundred dollars. What? Uh huh. Uh huh. Holy shit. That's a car. That's a brand new car. Yeah. Could you is. imagine? Let me show you. It's beautiful. Is it? Was It's like that thing you do when you're shopping, but is it $32,000 <laughs> beautiful? Holy shit. And I mean, okay, look at it. It's not, I mean, what is it? A foot? I know. It's like, it's not huge. It doesn't give me any dimensions. Sorry to cut off your next bit, but. It's fine. Jeezer Creaser. I could never have anything that expensive in my house, period. No. If I ever bought something that expensive online, I would get four calls from fraud departments going, excuse me, ma'am, did you, did you mean to do this? I would have to have like a security detail in my house because I'm the clumsy one in the family and I'd be the mm-hmm. one to fall and break it. We would just have to keep them in a controlled environment like Hayden keeps his collection. Yes, that's exactly that's right. Oh, you guys want to go on a car ride and see the Yadros? <laughs> Please put this Anyways, special gown on right now. Yeah, don't touch it with your hands or make direct eye contact with it. That's bad news. <laughs> That's bad news. <laughs> but another thing, so this explains your aversion to carnival glass. Because <laughs> anytime we'd be at a state so I'd be like, oh, this is pretty. And she'd be like, yep, uh-huh, and walk right off. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's not pretty. Yeah. So carnival Because I just, I grew up looking at it. Yeah, I never knew that. So I was just like, what? You're like, wow, asshole. It's fucking nice. I liked it. Now I passed up so much because I thought Sam just thought it was ugly and wouldn't tell me. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) And I'm just like, boring. (laughs) Sorry. It is beautiful. It is really pretty. So Carnival Glass, and this is off good old Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. So Carnival Glass was originally known as Airedale. As Airedale began, began production in 1908 by Fenton Art Glass Company, inspired by the fine-blown glass art of Tiffany and Steuben. Instead of being blown glass like Tiffany's, carnival glass was rolled or pressed into metallic salts that created the iridescent shine after its final firing. See, that to me is fascinating. Like, I can't afford to blow this, so I'm going to make some salts. Right. And we're going to make let's, this shiny. Like, Let's use a chemical reaction. Well, and they did. They were innovative that way, too, of like they would press it into the mold and they would make three bowls, say, and then they would take it out and they would like, you know how some of them are like fluted and like pressed together uh-huh. with all this. That was just them like manipulating. So you could have yeah. three glasses. It was crazy. It's so that's so like that's the when I'd want to go back in time and watch that being done. Right. For sure. Um. So Fenton had hopes of selling this to companies because they produced over like 150 different items and they wanted to be a premiere, but that quickly changed as the demand and was discounted. 
Like I always joked, it was like the Walmart of their time. Well, and it was referred to quite kind of disparagingly as the poor man's Tiffany back in the day. Yeah, which is funny because then that I always look at Walmart now and I'm like, what? what of these items are going to be expensive when I get old? And it probably like what the pioneer woman one day will be like. I know. Pyrex. That will be, be the pirate. <laughs> but it was, that was interesting to me too, because I think like you and I are just disconnected from that generation. So uh, to me, it's like, it's always been collectible because I've always seen it at antique stores. Yeah. Like it's like everywhere I go, I've seen at least one or two pieces. For, right. For at least 30 years. Yeah. And, you know, the price tags on them were, like, ranged from anywhere from, like, mm-hmm. 5 to 50 bucks. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah this is pretty expensive. But it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so most of the glass was produced in the United States and was made before 1925. And then the sharp decline, which happened in 1931. Because of the Great Depression. Yeah, that happened, guys. Mm-hmm. Fenton was not the only manufacturer to, to produce it. Northwood Imperial... Millersburg, Westmoreland, Duggan, Cambridge. Um, they were also in competing to do these pieces. And so that also brought down the prices of all those because everybody else found out how he was doing it. And yeah. Said, so they were like, we're going to, we're going to make, and that was like one of the things when I was like gathering the information for this was there was like one website I went to and each one of those manufacturers had its own section. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like jadeite. Like there's yeah. so many different stuff with jadeite. It's not just like one size fits all. And I was surprised to see that that was the same thing for Carnival Glass. Yeah, I didn't know that about it either. I thought it was just one company like the Lennox stuff. Like it was right. like, that's it. So there's a lot of Carnival Glass out there. And the Kwamis had some. And we pointed that out straight out. We were like, oh, that's Carnival Glass. And we were like, what? Mm-hmm. It is? What is that? I've never heard of that. But but it is highly con- collectible now. And it's hard to identify between who made which pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we said, you can find it anywhere, ranging anywhere from five to up, depending on where you're at and who has it. And there was, you know, one of the interesting things I read too about it was because the competition was so steep to encourage people to buy it. They gave away samples at carnivals, but that's not where it got its name, but there was like a prize you could get was a piece of carnival glass, hoping you'd go home and buy the rest of the set. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was reading about identification, because one of my friends, Abby, she recently got a piece of glass that looks like it could be carnival glass, but one of like, there's different types of identification, but they say, if you flip it over, And you look at the stem and if you can see on the stem where the metallic salts weren't applied and you can see the base color of the glass, Mm. that's kind of where the identification process starts because there really aren't a lot of maker's marks on the glass. Yeah. And there was so many companies that were making them and then reproductions. There's always reproductions of stuff. I know. Those make it hard on everybody. (laughs) I know. So I'm excited to kind of maybe learn a little bit more about it. And then when you and I go out. I know. I now am never going to pass up carnival glass. I, You know what's surprising? Like everything on this show, <laughs> I might not either. Because <laughs> now I'm like, oh, there's like I saw when I was doing this, there was this beautiful like dark emerald green uh-huh. punch bowl set. And I was like, oh, I could be a real witch with that. <laughs> a real one. A real one. It was a beautiful spooky green mm. so and then there was like the most um the most collectible color 
was like marigold and I looked it up and I was like, nope, pass. And that's that yellow orangey. No. Yeah. That's not my favorite. I did see somebody on Instagram had it paired with their jadeite for like Thanksgiving. Ooh. And oh, I was that's like, that's a good idea. You know what? I don't know that I would have it just for that purpose. I take that back. I do have some marigold caramel glass and it's a turkey bowl. It's like oh, a candy cute. dish with a little turkey on top. Mm-hmm. Cute. So. I, you weren't with me, so I just bought it because you weren't there. You're like, I'm taking this home. I'm not going to be judged and shamed. Well, I should find you some for your house. You should. Carnival glass. I would love that. On the hunt. I've been trying to find the perfect gift for you for your <laughs> new home. Changes every week. I know. <laughs> I maybe, I, you know, I've thought about doing a surprise creepy doll, but I would never. Oh. Because Jill's face, she's just had a heart attack. Or I could get you, like I have in my kitchen, the bosun heads, the bosun heads. Yes, they're so cute. I have, I'll take a picture of them and I'll put them on the Instagram. I have a chef and another one. I bought these two heads. Isn't it a sailor? It might be. Like a captain? I'll have to, yeah, I'll have to go and look. Because my grandparents in their house, they have like 27. And Do they all have their own names? Yes. And my grandpa could recite every single one of them. Good, good. He would point at them and go, this is this. And I have my favorites out of them. So one day that collection will be mine. Oh, that would be cute. Yeah. So uh, they bought their bosuns. I won't tell the whole story about it because it's in that future episode. But they bought their bosuns at the BX. Ah, good old BX. So it was, that was where they got a lot of their antiques and... They would get the message would like go through the base that the BX had been loaded with this stuff and Mm -hmm. everybody would like run down to get (laughs) their shit. And one of those things was the bosuns. And bosuns is the name given to an extraordinary collection. And this information is from bosuns.com. So the name given to an extraordinary collection of character wall masks, figurines, shelf ornaments, animal studies, wall plaques, lamp bases, bookends, wall clocks, thermometers, barometers, pottery figures, and mirrors. I didn't know they made all that stuff. I thought it was just the... Yeah, all the, I've ever seen are the heads. So I got to look up the rest of that I stuff. I want some animals. Right? So they were produced by W.H. Boson's company of Congleton. And this was in England between 1948 and 1996. They were the brainchild of a talented father and son team, and they became highly sought-after works of art all around the world, but especially in the USA and England. Both W.H. Bosons and his son, W. Ray Bosons, studied pottery making in Stoke-on-Trent, which is where a lot of uh, pottery and plaster work that is known as like like Wedgwood uh-huh. and different things like that. The, the skills and like the learning were in Stoke-on-Trent, like it's kind of known yeah. for that type of artwork. Um, but when ill health forced Mr. Boson Sr. to retire to Conglinton in 1944, he started making lead soldiers and Christmas figurines out of metal and plaster as a hobby. Eventually, using a variety of technical skills, including mold making, he decided to produce a range of wall plaques with his son. W. Ray Bosons was also a talented artist, and the two set up the business in 1946 at Brook Mills in Congleton. They trained half a dozen young ladies as paintresses and young men as molders and were soon making a set of high-relief pictorial wall plaques. So those are like the ones that I have. Mm-hmm. They were illustrated in their first ever catalog in 1948 to 1949 under the Beautiful Britain series. 
The first plaque created was Bosun's was entitled Village Scene, followed by Little Morton Hall, Shakespeare's Birthplace, and Anne Hathaway's College. When W.H. Bosun Sr. died in 1951, Ray Bosun took over the company and in 1958 designed the first and internationally recognized character wall masks. The first character was a 10-inch snake charmer, followed by the mandolin player, drummer, Caspian man, and Caspian woman. And I think my grandparents have the Caspian man and Caspian woman. Hmm. Bosun's closed its doors and ceased all operation in December 1966. And uh, Bosun Jr. died uh, May of 1997 at the age of 80. Whoa. But, but Yeah, so Bosun heads are known as like chalkware or plasterware mm-hmm. and they are hand sculpted and um the bosun jr he had like a almost obsessive attention to anatomical detail and he had an extensive library for research and resources to make sure they were as accurate as possible and they were all hand done they weren't ever pressed into like molds they were all hand carved they might have been pressed into molds later but the initial reliefs were hand done mm-hmm. by him. And so he made the original copy and then sent it to the other sculptors and painters. So he did all the work first. And then passed it and down. Was, and was super discerning. And there, the way you can tell if it's a bosun, which of course has been counterfeited and forged, is if it's stamped bosun on the back into the chalkware. But they didn't, there's some that didn't survive for a very long time because they're made out of plaster. So they're super fragile. Yeah. And they were meant to hang on a wall. So if you bumped a wall and knocked them off, because I've seen some bosons, because I always look for them. That was another thing when I went into Jeannie's on Park Avenue. I would ask for hair stuff or bosun heads. Uh-huh. And at first they were like, what are you talking about? And I think it's bosun or bosun. It could go either way. I've always heard it as bosun. Mm-hmm. But they'd be like, I, we don't know what that is. And I'd have to like look it up and show them. Be like, it's just chalkware. So... That's one of the things I'm always looking for. And there was one estate sale I think Linda put on that had bosun heads. But I got there the second day and they were gone. Oh. I was very sad. But that's, those are the, the, you know, few couple things that I always look for just because they're sentimental to me. Yeah, we all do that. And I think I have a picture of my grandparents' bosun wall and her yadro. So I'll be sure to put those up on the Instagram stories this week. So everybody can see them. So um, since this episode has launched, we have retired the Halloween merch. Never to be seen again. Never to be seen again. But uh, we are coming out this month with a new Forever logo. Yes. It is our Art Deco Mothball Prophecies logo. It's one of my favorites. It's so cute. It's just perfect and dainty. And it's got the moth with an Edison bulb and some fabulous Art Deco designs. That logo is loaded into our T Public store, mm-hmm. and it is on all the merch for you to get. We will be ordering stickers with that logo on it as well to send out to you guys this month. And we will also be having, Jill, do you want to tell them about our next one? You mean the super cute holiday one that we're going to have? Yes, I got a Halloween one. Jill's uh, getting the holiday holidays. one. Yes. So yes, we are work. That one's in works right now, and we're Should hoping come out the middle of the month. Yeah, and we're hoping to launch that one. What Black Friday? The traditional Black Friday after Thanksgiving we is might. Yeah. what we're hoping for. 
We'll see. And it's going to be, It's we have some great uh, designs in the works for it. And it's going to be adorable 1950s, 40s. Yeah. It's just going to be super cute. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, I'm very excited to have that because it's just timeless, you know? I know. Timeless. I love like, I don't know. The vintage Christmas is my heart. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jill's going to, we were talking before we started recording, and Jill's going to borrow my white Christmas tree this year in her new house. Yes, I can't wait. And I need to get some cute little decorations for it. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to spend a day. And I um, I think it's like almost an eight foot tree too. Oh, perfect. It's tall. Because I bought both of my Christmas trees on Black Friday. One was like five or six years ago. And then the other one was, I just wanted a white Christmas tree and I went out and bought it. Yeah, see, that's what I want. But we always cut down our Christmas tree. Oh, right. So I never get to have my fun one. So this year I told him it's going to happen. You're going to have one upstairs and one downstairs? We're probably going to have quite a few. (laughs) Yeah. No, I hope so. I I probably will have like two, two upstairs, maybe two downstairs. Good. I fucking hope so. I hope so. Because we have we have the one, but I have little Christmas trees everywhere in my house. The bottle brush trees. Oh, see, and I bought some Target had some in their dollar mm-hmm. section store. <laughs> bought them all. Yes. Good job. I know I saw those. I got to go get some more of them once they put up the rest of their holiday stuff. Because yeah. I take them and being a hairdresser, I have access to certain semi-permanent bright hair colors. And there was one year I died. I bleached and dyed a whole bunch of bottle brush trees. That's a good idea. To make my own colors. And then I made this one little bottle brush tree that had, you know, the skull beads that are like rock. I made those as the ornaments on it. Oh, that's so cute. It's very fun. I know. I'm really excited this year to decorate. So, but, and I'll put pictures on the Insta so you guys can see it. But you're going to have to hit up like clearance sales. I know decor. I know. So we'll add it to the list. <laughs> well, to see all of the uh, antiques of my own that we've talked about today, be sure to check out our Instagram at the Mothball Prophecies Original, our Facebook at the Mothball Prophecies Original, and on Twitter at the Mothball Mavens. Where can they find our merch, Jill? So you can find our merch on our link tree on our bio on the Instagram. And that's where we have every bit of things for our uh, show listed will be in the link tree in our Instagram. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys so much for listening to the stories we're sharing with you every week. We really appreciate it. We can't wait to show you what we have for the rest of the holiday season and coming into next year. We have some exciting things planned. Yes. Yes, we do. And as always, I hope you find some good shit. And remember to look under the tables. Bye. Yeah.